forever. Dog. Warning, the following podcast takes place under the sea, but you won't find any singing crabs or crustacean bands here, just soulless ocean life and the unforgiving, weather-controlling bodies of water that exist on the brutal planet Earth. Yeah, it's the Living Seas on podcast The Ride. Welcome to Podcast The Ride, the theme park podcast hosted by three C-base alpha males. I'm Scott Gardner, joined by Mike Carlson. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, maybe like the most aggressive we could possibly sound. If there was like, we're tough guys, but we love Epcot. <laughs> like there, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I, I really like that. Thank you. It'd be, for a, that. F- it'd be a fair name for one of those uh, gangs or social gathering groups i forget what euphemism they were using uh but if if that had to be ours if it isn't one already might be uh one already and we're really messing with their territory uh jason sheridan the third male uh cbase alpha sounds like a marketing department was trying to clean up the image for the term wet blanket or uh (laughs) wet noodle uh So I guess that's right. I guess that's trying to make wet blankets um, desirable and yeah, cool. yeah, make it make it like you know something people desire, something people people want. Well, yeah, but you're, Jason, you're upset because you don't like that wet blanket is used as a bad thing because you love a wet blanket. You love to sleep soaking wet. You I love to be <laughs> you love to be wet from head to toe constantly. Uh, sure. Yes. Uh, did okay. Did I bail on an Airbnb once because all of the bedding was still soaking wet? Yes, I did. We have heard that, and that yeah, was shocking we've heard to that me. Story. That I was know. shocking to me. I know. Well, some you know, some wetness is is fun wetness. Wetness yeah. that you're fond of, but not sure. all. All right. Clothing clothing wetness, not blanket and bedding wetness. Yeah. Let's let's that seems to be the boundary. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I apologize. Are we uh, are we fond of of today's wetness brought to you by the Living Seas, uh, an Epcot attraction that is our uh, our topic today, and we're doing it today because this day that you're uh, listening to it, if you're listening to it uh, on the release, uh, it is J- January fifteenth, and on January fifteenth, nineteen eighty six, uh, this ride opened thirty five years ago on this very day, which is wow. a, a stat that makes me feel very old. Oh my um, god! Yeah, we're we're like, whew, there's like a couple of years left for us. I think like it doesn't. When I think god. about, <laughs> sorry to take it in an extra dark place. It's just it's crazy time, time existing and seeing yeah all these videos and going oh okay that was thirty years ago. How old am I? Oh shit! There's yeah, some, yeah, I know it doesn't square with your own age a lot. I I, I think it's just weird because the we were very little when Disneyland had its 35th anniversary, which is an indelible thing for for me at least. And um, just seeing 35 a lot, I I like couldn't imagine a yeah. bigger number. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I didn't was, think I'd make it to 35, much less beyond. Sure. Uh, I was I was looking at archival footage and I was looking at the dates on YouTube and on the webs on different websites, and I was eating an Airhead. And 
it didn't square with me because I'm like, I'm eating like a child and I still think of myself like a child, but yet this tells me I'm not a child. <laughs> I am far from it. I, You're yeah, eating. I love this. I love the living seats. I, I feel like it always caught me off guard. It's so off in the, the corner of Epcot and it was such a unique experience of like a standing pre-show uh, a, a theater pre-show, uh, the Hydralator. I loved the Hydralator. I loved and feared the Hydralator, um, and and the sea cabs, and and so it was like a sequence of experiences. As opposed to, I think the Martin's vids on this is really good. He points out that like, oh, the other pavilions had like one key attraction each. This is like a sequence that you experience and it's very unique. And that also helped them control crowd flow because it it does eat a lot of people per hour. Yeah, it's it's well, here, here's what I'll say. We we talked a little bit. We did a a Horizons episode a couple months ago at this point, right? That was a couple months. That wasn't 35 years ago. (laughs) I don't know. I, it's I mean, it's been a long last few weeks, so yeah, it's uh-huh. hard to say. Uh, so we did that, and we were sort of talking, and I think Scott and I more agreed that as kid brains, a lot of these Epcot rides sort of blended together. Like, you could have shown me maybe a video now, or whenever the first time I started watching, like, old retro videos, you could have put in a scene from Living Seas, you could have put a scene in from World of Motion, and my brain would have gone, oh, that makes sense, that looks right. Um, and then we sort of were also talking about how it felt like Epcot was a concept album. You know, it was a challenging second album and they were sort of, everything actually felt like it fit together. You could maybe take out pieces of rides and put them somewhere else and they would kind of thematically feel similar. So I will say as a kid, the living seats didn't make a huge impression on me. I don't have such fond memories of the Hydrolator. I love the Hydrolator now in my adult years seeing it. Don't get me wrong. Don't come for, the, come for me with pitchforks yet. But I will say I didn't have such a nostalgia for it as much as I did for like Figment himself and then the nostalgia of Epcot, which of course I love. Uh, I yeah, think if- part of my nostalgia is I bought it. I bought that we had to go. I was like, well, we're not going to the bottom of the sea, but clearly you have to go down to get to the transit to get to the aquarium section of this. Are, and are like, you accusing me of not buying it as a child? Well, I don't know. Do you think you did? I, I especially <laughs> love that you had to play along. You had to you take buy it. You had to take a hydrolator to exit, like not the ones with the full windows, but like they had ex. You couldn't just now. You just when we were at the current iteration, you just walk in and out of the gift shop. You don't have to take the ride. No, I. Th- this has nothing to do with me buying it or not. As a kid, I was yeah. scared of all of this. I thought this was all real. I'm just saying, as a kid, I just don't have such strong memories of it like other pieces. I think you also went a little more often than we did. That's true. Yeah, we went so every perhaps, two yeah. to three years, and then every yeah. year for a very, very brief period of time. Sure, sure. So I, I, I'm, um, I'm just trying to give a, a picture of exactly where my enjoyment lies. Yeah. There's, um, uh, I feel like I'm, I was sort of neither here nor there. I, I like it was wouldn't have been my favorite Epcot thing. Probably wouldn't have been my least favorite Epcot thing. There's a strong opinion about this attraction in my household and i'm not that, i'm not sure if i should get into that now or Ooh. if we get to that part of the of the thing uh, um i uh because if there is anything more introductory to do well, actually one thing i've 
but we forgot. We're just calling it the Living Seas. Today, and for a long time, this attraction has been the Seas with Nemo and Friends. But that's one of those. Are we going to call this episode the Seas with Nemo and Friends? I don't think. You got to go back to the original title. Yeah. And look, to be honest, I didn't know they had changed the name. I thought that's what they were just calling the ride. I didn't know the whole pavilion is now called that. I just missed that at some point. Because so much of it is still kind of standing, especially, I mean, my family, too. We were a big Coral Reef restaurant family, uh, and I have not been there in years. Uh, I want to go now that I've seen the official, like, on the Disney website, it has, it's like a perfect, perfect fossil, like a fly preserved in amber. It has not aged, apparently. Yeah, it's very early 90s, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think this kind of busy uh, mosaic design style, I think it's coming back. I think this, like, minimalist, dark metal, dark wood, Johnny Rockets shit is on its way out. <laughs> mm, I ho- I, look, I hope not. I hope it lasts forever. Uh, Lindsay <laughs> and I went, like, seven years ago to that restaurant. Yeah. And, and there was a giant rock in the tank. And all of a sudden, we realized it was a turtle, and it moved, and we were delighted. And that's uh, the magic of the living seas. That's right. And then we looked down, and we just ate a dead fish off of a plate. <laughs> okay, that's the, <laughs> that's the conundrum of the living seas. That's the paradox of the living seas. Of course. Uh, yes. I, some, the, <laughs> should we say some basics about it before yes. we... I, sure. And this is partially in, on my mind, because the last time we did an Epcot attraction uh, was Horizons. Uh, a friend question mark of the show Nick Mundy uh, listened to the episode hadn't heard an episode in a while and then gave me the feedback it's like you were speaking a foreign language it's like you were speaking Spanish I don't know what the hell you were talking about mm. so now I've got Mundy just like with a fist in his hand behind me in my head uh, telling me to explain what the rides are I think we did fairly well I don't know what do you like is, is Mundy in line there what do you think uh, I think he texted and criticized the episode to me as well uh <laughs> he'd have to look if he's if he's like running around town like doing errands like sometimes he will give me a phone call while he's doing that and then he was also Mm -hmm. listening and like he's at like a a grocery store and they're like saying mr mundy here's your order and he's trying like you're not gonna you're not gonna pick up on what horizons is it's too weird it's too ethereal it's too like yeah if he was sitting down listening intently then I would be a little more concerned. I'm guessing, if, though, if, he if was... we If we sat him down and said, okay, we'll explain it to you. It's a ride that offers uh, different visions of what the future might be. Hopeful visions brought to you by... Gener- like, how quickly would he just, like, turn to his phone or leave the room or uh, punch us in the jaw? Yeah, he would just... There would be an urge to just put our head in a toilet or pull our underwear up uh, hard from our back of our pants. Like well, he wouldn't be able to resist that or throw a dodgeball at our head. He just a dodgeball would sort of like materialize in his hand and he would whip it at our head. He's still trying to solve the uh, problem of fire bad. Uh, so we got to tell it's like, no, it's not always bad. There's different. Uh, there's different. It's very useful in some occasions. Hmm. Mundy, Mundy is a Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, that's what that is. Yeah. Mythology. It's a caveman, I think is what Jason is <laughs> yeah. calling him. Jason, as usual, has taken Scott and I's good-natured ribbing up to an 11. <laughs> <laughs> All the way up the hydrolator. <laughs> Jason wants to, look, in wrestling, you got to keep building up the feud, you know? 
And Jason wants to build that feud up for when Mundy comes back on the show, and I appreciate that. He's working an angle. That's what he's doing. Oh, I, mm-hmm. I can only hope. I can only hope he puts me through a table. He puts me through an announcer's table. I will double mask if we, if we figured out a, a way for Monday to put me through a table in these trying times. There was, there was talk at the Orlando Live show of uh, Matt Cardona putting you through something, but it didn't materialize. So hopefully that happens at a certain point on one of these shows. I thought it was supposed to be I hit him with a chair. We talked about that. We, but we I talked think there, about scenarios, yeah. There were a couple scenarios, and yeah. For sure, sure, sure one of them was you taking a bump of some kind. Yeah. Um, but okay, but Monday will be Monday will be the one the untra- the, the non trained wrestler will be the one to hurt you. <laughs> That's fine, <laughs> uh, but no. Back to he he makes a very fair point. Yes, we should we should uh, uh, full on explain. We should make Just sure we're case. still doing that. It's good to refresh the basics. It's good to get back to basics. You know, he's the way he told us to do the podcast, and now he has a new note for us. And I want to uh, make good <laughs> um, the Godfather of the podcast uh, notes. Uh, um, one Goal helpful thing, Godfather of the year (laughs) (laughs) um one helpful thing i think about this attraction is that at the time that it was built it was based around what was what was then the largest saltwater tank on earth which is full of aquatic animals so it is a lot of attractions based around that um that that so the restaurant you guys are talking about the coral reef restaurant that is a restaurant where you had a view of the creatures in the tank uh as you ate as you ate fish <laughs> bizarrely uh but the primary uh, illusion that it's trying to create is not just like an aquarium here you're going to go look at the tank it's that you are actually going to a, a sea base a futuristic sea base which you're led to believe is underwater and um so there's various forms of transport that take you all the way, not just like a couple feet away, but in theory, like far, far down and far many leagues under the sea, if you will, uh, to this fully immersed underwater sea base. Um, it isn't fully immersed. That was kind of the intent initially. But now it's just, you know, uh, built around this, this giant tank and with lots of uh, amazing views of it. Yes. So yeah. it is a basically... Uh, uh, there's an Omnimover like Haunted Mansion ride system, and there's a big aquarium with a restaurant. That's yeah. the simple version. It's a big, mostly it's a big aquarium. There's people that work in there tending to the fish. There's little shows. There's information. There's stuff has changed over the years, but that's sort of the basic. Um, this they have uh like uh fish and and aquatic life that have like been harmed that they're rehabilitating. Yeah. Um, which we Dolphin saw last sharks, time we were there. Uh, big variety, um, manatees. You got rays. You got all all kinds mm-hmm. of cool stuff. Which was my takeaway. Um, being there last year was well. You just forget how great this is. Uh, like just just the base. Just like oh yeah, within this day of, at Epcot, that's always cool. Where you experience a lot of things. Like oh, like here's the stint of the day where you see just a lot of cool animals. It's very neat. Yeah. yeah, and it's yes, it's obviously years before Animal Kingdom, but it is like similar in this. It's the same idea where they they were like, "Oh shit, we have to get a ton of people who know what they're doing to maintain a giant aquarium with a variety of fish and and marine life." Uh, yeah, if you watch the, there's a National Geographic series about Animal Kingdom on Disney Plus, and they. They do have to go to the living seas a lot to like, like one of the manatees is they, they're worried he's ill or he, he ate something he shouldn't have. Um, 
So sometimes they needed to transport uh, sea life to uh, from the living seas to animal kingdom because that's where they have like extra animal care stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Although there are plenty oh. of marine biologists and, and such working at the living seas. It's a real like licensed and certified uh, rescue center and aquarium. Yeah. Um, so that is what it is basically still now. That's what it a was. A plottier when aquarium, really, ultimately. Most aquariums don't have stories. And That's one, true. Uh, yeah, um, this one does more that, so. Should we, could we start with like, what it might have been? Yeah, that was interesting to me to discover the version that didn't get built. I Yeah, I knew none of this. I did yeah. not know it either. It's pretty well documented in the Martins vids. They don't they have some con- they have more concept art and like model pictures than I have seen. Mm. Uh and it sounds like this version would have been insane and all like amazing. I like what they did yeah. fine and not I shouldn't even say that. I like what they did. But this version, oh boy, do I wish well, they this pull was off, They pull off the educational aspect of it. It's definitely interesting to go there. But with all the bells and whistles, I think it would have been a lot more satisfying as a theme park attraction. Yes. And basic, like, as soon as I heard that Poseidon was involved <laughs> in the yeah. original version, I was like, oh shit, P- what? <laughs> Why does Poseidon get cut? Even like a low-grade Poseidon in the current version i would have been like still pretty happy with but um, uh, big tease i i i know some i started unraveling why does poseidon get cut and the answer is pretty nefarious it uh, it goes and goes and uh, you'll see but let's let's talk about the fun uh, first yeah um so i guess the yeah the original was very much more like like um simulating that underwater base like a cool dome underwater like whatever i guess base is really what it what it is um but it opened with uh, a pre-show where you were like challenged by poseidon the sea lord <laughs> who were like just like dare you to just like taunt the ocean yeah like he like you're in the middle of a raging sea storm and he stops it with a wave of his hand and like start eggs you on he's like only the bravest explorers would explore the sea (laughs) yeah um which it's funny because like you were still going to sea base alpha which was very much like a sci like more science fiction like this uh, emphasis on the science than it is like on the fan science fantasy or something but if you go on this today, it's extremely clinical by by theme park standards. So yes. it's almost and like set probably in the not too distant future. It's all technology we have, but if it was super polished, you're going into Sequest. You're going to Sequest DSV, basically. Yes. So I think it's in set in the twenty thirties or something. I don't know mm-hmm. if maybe I'm pulling that out of my butt. Um so yeah, strange that we would like this definition of the seas involves that the seas are controlled by a man, by a giant man. By a giant magic man, which, yeah, it does. It's sort of like the original idea of Epcot was very much like, I mean, they have like, uh, you know, imagination, which obviously is not necessarily rooted in science, but a lot of it, yeah, was science-based. So I'm, I am curious, and maybe Scott, you have more information, like what their thinking was behind this. But man, it would have been, aw- been awesome. I will uh, say that. Yeah. And the the 
technology was going to be that you sat in this theater, he challenges you, and then the theater would rotate 180 mm-hmm. degrees to a load, a very ornate loading station uh, where you would then board an Omnimover. Yeah, like a fantastical. Yellow, yeah, like a yellow brick road of coral. Like, just yeah. coral everywhere. Have we, t- we have not talked about fake coral a lot on this show. Hmm. And now is that different than fake rock? And does it count as fake rock? I mean, someone listening is going to know yeah. uh, the, the distinction better than us. But coral didn't, if it counts as fake rock, it didn't really fare great in the fake rock Final Four. Though I think the, the Disney Sea Ariel's Grotto area is really fantastic and, you know, yes. probably. You know, didn't make it in there, but it could have, could have been a squeaker. But I think, I think somebody will be able to tell us like, oh, you're missing all these great pieces of fake coral in theme parks. And maybe eventually one day when we have all this gathered, we can do a fake coral final four. Perhaps. I'd love to gather enough. Yes. Yes. Let's give coral its due. Yeah. Fake coral. (laughs) Good fake coral in the, um, the fries electronics in i forget the city now it's in in san diego mm-hmm. county um but there yeah the really good fake coral game there and then obviously fake coral on uh uh the nemo subs in mm-hmm. disneyland mm-hmm. Right, you right. know i think i think fake coral is in more places if you look if yeah. your heart is open to it if your heart is open to it <laughs> Um, I just want to shout out before we move on from Poseidon, the, just the, his line about if we can part the waves of understanding. I mean, this is my like this highfalutin Poseidon language <laughs> uh, and that he is called Poseidon, the sea lord. Um, I mean, obviously, Poseidon was done to its full theme park extent in Islands of Adventure mm-hmm. with Poseidon's fury. Ultimately, I was also trying to remember if Poseidon factors into the Caesar's Palace mall statue show which is called fall of atlantis and poseidon is referenced like it's all kind of his shadow looms over the events of fall of atlantis but poseidon is not not here he called in sick today let us do his bidding what would poseidon have done yeah wwpd um he so Poseidon, I mean, I, I just want more Poseidon in general, if possible. It's a property anybody can grab because it's, um, it's mythology. I don't think anyone can own Poseidon. Right. No one can own me. So, like, yes, we, like, we can have Poseidon on the show regularly, too. Like, Poseidon and the Sector Keeper show up together, maybe. Mm-hmm, like, oh, mm-hmm. it's my friend Poseidon. <laughs> yes, I am friends with this young ghost boy. Ah, ah, ah. I don't know why he's like Hercules or something, but in my version. If one of the three of us had more energy, maybe Poseidon could be with us here today. Yeah, I'm very oh, tired, yeah. though, you know? <laughs> I, was, I wasn't prepared. It's all uh, too tired to summon Poseidon, I think. I mean, if you, uh, if you force me... Why, I boys! Can, uh, 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 never mind, hang on. I'm going to go rest. Oh, I love... I'm going to take a bath. <laughs> Mike's a- new character, Reluctant Poseidon. Not the... <laughs> Yes, here I am. I'm here, and good to meet you, Jason. Uh, Poseidon, who's still stressed out about the uh, impeachment hearings, I think. With a wave of my hand, I could part the sea, but only ten Republicans flip. After that, after the attack on still only ten, I just kill her. I don't, uh, the, the trident feels extra heavy to me today. 
Oh, why don't they just do the inauguration in the Oval Office? Oh, come on. Why does it have to be outside? <laughs> do it tomorrow. For, well, let's break with tradition. I love tradition. I'm uh, 10,000 years old. I'm sure they'd give you the Zoom without a time limit if you just ask. Oh, the v- I'm trying to get the vaccine, but it is just not available. The federal government should have done a better job coordinating it nationwide. Can I not summon with my hand from the sea uh, just a vile amount of it? Just, just fill up a needle? That's all Poseidon wants. I guess two. It's going to be a double dose. <laughs> Four weeks apart. I'm not lord of the vaccine, I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's, uh, Vaxinus. <laughs> That's my brother, Vaxinus. Many do vaccine. not believe in Vaxinus. They are fools. <laughs> Vaxinus is good. We have him now as an IP. We have to trademark him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll show up soon. Um, anyway, yeah, he parts. I don't know. There was like a and there was a curtain of water potentially that was going to happen. This, this this seemed great. And it is like, I, it's funny. This happens to us in attractions sometimes where there's just this phantom feeling like, uh, like there should have been something. Like, why isn't this our favorite thing from our childhoods? And I feel like Poseidon is the answer. Yeah, he's a missing piece, I think, for sure. Yeah, uh, and there, there are, yeah. I, w- I think maybe we've talked about this before. It's like Figment looms so large in that, and obviously the ride because he's the star of the ride. He does a lot, but if it's like maybe if they had just positioned some other new original characters on some of these rides, they could have lasted longer and been more of a big deal to kids' brains. But then it still retained their sort of educational nature. Yeah. I'd say even as a kid, though, I kind of liked Epcot days because I knew it was just a different it was a different vibe. There was like, you know, I didn't I was a nerdy little child. I liked the educational aspect. I liked the different like, you know, vibes of the pavilions and the attractions and stuff. And like, well, especially yeah, I, like Magic Kingdom, like trying to pack stuff in or even MGM Studios at its height had quite a bit to try and do in a day. Sure. I just mean like, yeah, for Mia, which I also loved going to Epcot, it's just, I just, my brain isn't that clear on remembering some of these things. Like, I don't have those childhood memories that are so strong, like a few of the other places in Epcot, and then of course the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Well, I, what I remember is I was scared all day in Epcot. <laughs> it was all scary. Giant, um, what, what's the architectural, t- brutalist architecture, I think is the term, and that makes sense. All the buildings scared me in a way that I love. I think about the buildings nonstyle of all the architecture. I, but like, not only that, it's all like, as I've said, none of, none of my friends are here. I'm probably not going to see Mickey or anybody. I'm going to see lots of like upset bearded adults, uh, whether that be Jules Verne or in this, it could have been Poseidon, the most upset, biggest bearded adult. <laughs> Constantly. Scott, little Scott, your friends aren't here for you. <laughs> your friends can't help you now. You have dared rattle the sea. You'll be I didn't scared. do anything. I'm seven. <laughs> And you, little Michael, I can tell you don't buy it. I can tell you don't believe this shit. I want you to believe it. And throws water at me. It's a hydra uh, later. It's good. You saw the bubbles go. Yeah. You, you went deep as far as you know. What else do you want? Um, the, I, the other thing I, I, I think in this, this takes us into the next area of the thing, but I also, this is another Epcot attraction with like rides through dark corridors. <laughs> 
Almost yeah, every yeah. one of them is a slow-moving vehicle through a, a dark tunnel. I think that, like, I can't remember how dark and tunnel-y World of Motion was, but I bet fairly so. Horizons, definitely. Uh, uh, Universe of Energy isn't so claustrophobic, but it's extremely dark a lot of the time. Spaceship Earth, very dark. Yes. And then the sea cabs were pretty much, like, uh, I mean, I guess you had the glow, but aquariums are dark. Water's dark. Yeah. It's, yeah. Again, it's, it's all aesthetically, like, the same. It's like one thing bleeds into another. It's like... uh which which concept album did we say Epcot is like? I, Abbey my first, Road, the second half of Abbey Road. Second half, of, maybe like a wizard. Todd Rundgren's a wizard, a true star oh, kind of blend. Bless you, yes. <laughs> yeah, into you know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Each one bleeds into the next. Yeah, you're not sure where one ends and the next begins. Um, I don't think. Th- is there a Kiss album like that for Monday that I could throw in here? Oh, how do we? <laughs> yes. So. How do we frame this uh, d- Kiss concept album? Yeah, you're right. That's the key to. Um, the- well, they. I don't. Know, I don't know the album, but it looks like they have an album called Music from the Elder. It's more. It's, oh, okay. This is maybe their concept album. So, Mundy, if you're listening, and the answer is probably no, the the Living Seas, <laughs> or actually Epcot in general, is like music from the Elder. Got it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Right. It, is it like? Didn't they all do? Uh, there was a day where the, each one released a solo album without makeup on. Am I conflating things with that? Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, they for sure the makeup off period in the '80s, and maybe yeah. this is. We'll know if Money listened to because I probably just got that wrong, uh, and he'll call and yell at me. Um, but yeah, they there was a ver- yeah they 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 had to do some gimmicks. So you know, I don't cause... know theme park equivalent of solo albums without the makeup. But what's like is it like ambition? Is that Islands of Adventure or something? <laughs> <laughs> like untrodden territory? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um. So yeah, where we're where, 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 I'm losing my train of thought. Where I'm also we? just so, like, by the way, the 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 elder saw <laughs> music from the elder as a character named Morpheus in it. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on. Maybe I need to check out the and the 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 boy that it's just long tracks. One's called the Oath. One's called Escape from the Island. I mean, this sounds potentially potentially dreadful. But again, I don't want to lose Monday. Or any yeah. Kiss fans. He's listening. tried to get us way into Kiss for a long time, which I'm not against Kiss. I like some of the songs, but I just I've not gotten the the whole thing about Kiss. But obviously, the pageantry and the nonsense we we, we would like, mm-hmm. um, and the merch, of course. Yeah, um, but I'm maybe this is our way. Of, uh, maybe this is our way in. Is what I'm saying. I'm scared of the tracks "A World Without Heroes" and "Odyssey." As much okay, as I'd I mean, like to meet their Morpheus. I mean, is, is it all probably white, uh, right-wing propaganda from Gene Simmons? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. He might not have turned in 81 yet. I don't know. That's possible. Um, anyways, uh, uh, the turning, that's what the theater does. Turns 180 degrees. And then you end up, you end up in the, this hypothetical version of the vehicle that would have taken you into the attraction. Uh, as Jason said, it was a um, more of a, or did Mike say it? The, it was an Omni Mover, uh, or that's what it is today. It, it's like the the clamshells that uh, take you into the sea base. But they initially envisioned like a much longer ride, more like a ten minute ride, where you're in clear bubbles. I think Jim Hill described them as pearls. You're inside clear oh. pearls, and you're going through clear tubes. So as you're passing through this tank, you are now much more immersed in like you could be just you know a couple inches away from a shark like you have the like the full beauty of the tank and you're in it and the danger of what if there was a leak or something 
Yeah, and there was so yeah, there was a tank, but then there was was like show scenes plan too and i think there was like a planned maybe like anime i don't there's not a picture of it but i think there was a shark attack planned of some yeah. kind Whoa. Uh, and then you would run into poseidon again like there's in the martin's vids there's pictures of all the little like scenes from like a big model on a table so it's kind of hard to see which is which but all you, you can tell just but like oh you go through a bunch of very detailed show scenes it does it reminds me a little bit of how they did Twenty Thousand leagues at tokyo disney sea but it's not the same um, ride system. Oh obviously. yeah, where it's um, it is not. Maybe there's sections of it where that are not fully underwater, but you're l- using lighting effects and mist and bubbles and stuff to fake that you are underwater. Right. Uh, I mean that, and Twenty Thousand Leagues has to have fake coral, obviously. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I would have true. to imagine. Yeah. So. Um, um, I, mean, I think it sounds really epic, like the entrance to the what to this base and the concept art that you look at. It just seemed like so much grander than than where they ended. Yes. Up. Yeah. The the I mean I I just love the painterly kind of like paperback book cover almost of like a lot of the early Epcot concept art, and the base itself really looks a lot like um, C Lab twenty twenty in terms of pods with like walkways oh. between it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Oh, totally. Which I I think that was very, very popular at the time. Very future looking at the time, like sea bases and um, uh, uh biospheres. Uh, I think. Right. I don't know totally. when the yeah. biosphere one and, and biosphere two. I think came a little later. Um, yeah, I mean it's ve- it's very Star even Star Trek obviously in space, but it's very um the vibe of sort of especially I think the first Star Trek movie. It's a little bit like 2001 inspired. I feel like in its, I guess partly because the, like the music and the tone, it all feels a little unnerving or a lot unnerving depending on which part of the pre-show or which part or which art you're looking at. But there is something kind of odd and eerie about all of it too. It's not like, yay, we're underwater and it's a utopian city. It's kind of like research is done here <laughs> with the depths of the sea where anything can happen anything horrible can happen well yeah it feels like the setup for like this is the it, it it's like the it's the first third of i don't know the abyss or the yes. thing or i mean <laughs> yeah. especially the abyss because it's underwater but uh uh you know or or aliens or like as if like this is all right settle in here to this place where uh most of your friends will die it really, yeah, it's crazy. Like, here, I'm just going to do this right now. Uh, th- this is the pre-show movie for the actual uh, Living Seas, and I'm sure you guys watched it. I- it is so friggin' scary. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you yes. watch it? Yeah, I yeah. It's like, and then rises back to the ocean floor as a superheated mineral-laden fluid emitting. I mean, there's like, there's like, I feel like I hear like stabs in there of like a violin, like in a horror movie. Like there's, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's scored in such a way to freak the fuck out of you. It's like John Carpenter didn't direct it, but he scored it. They brought him in just for music, yes. <laughs> just to make it extra unnerving. Yes. yes. I, I think that, I think that's, by the way, I think that's awesome, but I am. Mm-hmm 
interested at the at the choice because there's not even there's never a part of it where it's fully resolved in like a major chord. It's never like ah, uh, and here's C bass alpha. It's like better music. It's like happier sounding music when they reveal like the the schematic of C bass alpha. But it never resolves itself. It never makes you feel like oh, and now everything's going to be fine. No, yeah. it's very haunting, uh, ethereal, and almost pushing experimental. And it's very funny to think about when you think about the sponsor, uh, United Technologies, now a division of the Raytheon company, uh, spent $90 million on this pavilion. Like this major corporate sponsor. And like this is how it starts with this weird, like there's no characters. There's no people, right, in that video? They, or barely any animals? It's mostly the sea and yeah. storms and nature. And uh, yeah, I think it's funny. I, I liked it as a kid. I was a little scared. And I think if something was just slightly different in the tilt of the world, I would have leaned into like what other movies are kind of scary like that instead of like get leaned into like MGM Studios of like, where can I get a copy of Singing in the Rain? <laughs> <laughs> there was so much scariness at Epcot because this is, I forgot there was even a movie in this thing, but it, if, if, of course it makes me think of the, the post Maelstrom Norway film, which is very mm. severe and, you know, banging on iron and, uh, um, and the Maelstrom itself where you dive into a storm and flaming oil barracks. Mm-hmm. I like so much of Epcot was scary and scary in a real world way it's not like alien encounter scary it's not sci-fi scary it's the world you're in is a scary place yes young scott back back over the falls you know it's such a it's such a (laughs) ball it's a ballsy the word it's such an odd it's odd but also like i think that's what the creative the imagineering people were going for that's the idea um, yeah, so it was funny. not supposed to be a fully friendly place besides Figment, and I guess it's just still an odd swing because, I mean, I, I, I don't really know the history of when Epcot was, was struggling or if that was the, um, the, the calculation at the time. Uh, or that it had to be like fixed or injected with energy or more like, um, but it does seem like there was an era where it didn't quite land. Um, and I, I like, I don't know, like, was, did like a ton of adults want to go experience things about like steel and <laughs> flames and disasters? <laughs> like, is the, was this what people really wanted? I, I'm not, and I like, I'm obsessed with Epcot. I hope none of this sounds super negative. Uh, uh, but it just like, I don't know, were people jazzed ever on the Living Seas movie? Like that rules. Well, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm sure like, you know, that's a, it was a giant aquarium. It was the biggest aquarium, I think, in the world for a little while, right? Mm-hmm. Like before yeah. the Georgia Aquarium. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So like dad's, a, sorry, go, did you have this? Oh, I was going to, yeah, I have it. it it's a 5.7 million gallon uh, uh, tank, and that's not counting like the filtering tanks or the prep tanks. Uh, and for a long time, it was technically the largest saltwater aquarium in the world until that Georgia Aquarium opened a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, a dad would like, I feel like a dad likes to go to the aquarium. 
Yeah. An eighties, mm-hmm. nineties dad. Oh, we'll go to the aquarium and take take a look at the fish. So he would like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he wanted to watch the scary film strip beforehand. That's what, or like, I mean, you see still, I mean, it's gone now, but you saw when the Maelstrom was open, people just like sprint out of the theater so they did not have to watch the post ride <laughs> movie. Like it, I, because I, I, I feel like some of my Epcot obsession is with things that like didn't super resonate with people. Like it's, that's what resonates with me is that it's this extremely expensive theme park where there's huge swaths of it that I think scared people or mm-hmm. even bored people or oh, for uh, sure just unnerved people. people. I think like that's, I, I hope I'm not sounding anti Epcot. It's, it's, it's all that stuff that I'm obsessed with. Yeah. I think I said on the universe of energy when Lindsay and I went on it like a couple days before it closed forever, the guy next to us fell asleep on it. Like like, within 10, I think 10 to 15 minutes, he was asleep on universe of energy. And that has to happen all day long with that ride for its whole existence. That was one of the reasons my dad liked that ride. People like little break, (laughs) little sleepy break rides. It gets so hot in Florida. You need to take a rest at some point. You're not going to get to take a break when Rocket Raccoon is shouting on you on a roller coaster. That's not going to happen. You can't take a little nap that way. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I it's think there was different metrics of the different metrics of success back then. I think as the 80s went along, they were, you know, you start to see the rise of like the Wall Street era of like, we've got to keep the shareholders happy. But like, at least when Epcot started, there was uh, an intent of education you know, of it, let's do something different. Let's let's play with people's expectations. Let's entertain edutainment, that sort of thing. Um, and you also saw like all these corporate sponsors seem to like be in, in line with that. And I don't I don't know that companies ever fully had tact, but I feel like I don't know. I think stuff is more craven nowadays. Of like, well, we've got to hit the four quadrants, and we've got to get the characters in there, and the characters have to appeal to these quad. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a joke. Like, there's a reason that there was a joke, and I guess still remains a joke that Epcot is boring and it sucks. And I don't hold that opinion, but there's a reason that joke exists. That's Mm -hmm. in the culture. I think it's going away. I do think it's in a similar way, though, to an album that's underappreciated its first Mm -hmm. 20 years. It's like your McCartney Ram. It's your McCartney 1 and 2 where people go, what the hell is this? This isn't as good as the Beatles. And then 30 years later, you go, oh, I see what he was doing. This is this. A lot of the stuff's great. And now you want everything to be like that again. Yes. Do more stuff like that. Do more stuff like that and not like for you, his song with <laughs> Ryan Tedder, even though I kind of like the song for you. <laughs> um, I don't know what the, I don't know what the theme park equivalent of for you is. Uh, around, new management. Yeah. Tiki room under new management. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so... Uh, there was this grand vision of what it was going to be, and I don't really know what happened when you got to the base. I think that all might have been sort of similar, but there was certainly a much more ornate, attraction-ified uh, uh, intro to this ride. Uh, I guess with that, should we talk about what did end up being there, or what what is mm-hmm. what was the experience pre the Nemo infusion? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Of uh, I mean, there there was a standing. I I kind of always forgot about this. There was like a standing kind of slideshow pre-show early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also pretty weird and ethereal. Um, 
There was the queue. The queue had a lot of artifacts about sea, sea exploration, sea adventuring. Um, and uh, yeah, I, and then the like other element uh, pre-Hydro later is, is that movie, Mike, that you played a little snippet of, which was like mm-hmm. a sit-down theater. Right. Scary um, movie. Terrifying movie. Terrifying yeah. movie. And it, I mean, it is, it is very much set up like, yeah, like a movie you would have seen in school. But mm-hmm. it, it has a, it has the, yeah the score of, uh, of a horror film. It's so similar in tone to the thing I keep bringing up, the weird Philadelphia 1776 movie that was so that was very frightening, and yet my <laughs> mom made my class watch it, <laughs> and it had to be said, Mrs. Gardner uh, <laughs> provided this film. Yeah. <laughs> Any chance to watch a video, Scott? I would have been sending your mother a thank you note, probably. Yeah, I, that's th- true. I'm forgetting yeah. that aspect. Yeah, it ga- it gave people a chance to nap, just as the Living Seas movie gave dads a chance to nap. And <laughs> let's not forget this added benefit of Epcot: if you took a trip to Disney World during the school year, and you had to make up some bullshit that it was educational. You're in the bag with Epcot, baby. Oh. You you do a little summary of your days at Epcot. Done. That is a good point. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. thought of that. You could justify like if you paid attention, you can learn something. I mean, obviously, the greater lesson here is that humans can mess up the Earth all they want, but the Earth will win. I mean, that's the message of this film strip itself: is that like the the sea will win. The sea is going to get all of us. And there's oh. nothing we can do about it. No the question. Sea runs, the sea runs the show, baby. <laughs> now, please enter the sea. <laughs> now, please. Now that you've been reminded that the sea will kill you. It will kill you. It will kill your great, 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 great grandchildren at a certain point to reset the earth after all of you monsters fucked it up. But anyway, here's a fun omnivore. And we're going to kill you right now if you like aren't careful on a boat or something. Yep. We're being reminded of that right now in January 2021 with the revival of Sea Shanty uh, TikTok. Everyone's doing a collaborative Sea Shanty singing. Very what? Are? What? Why? This is one of the thrilling people started singing Sea Shanties on TikTok. And then there's this duet feature where then you can sing along. And then people, it's like picture and picture and picture. And everyone's singing along. Uh, I saw someone online positing that, like, oh, we, we've we been distancing ourselves from each other, and this this was a way, this is, like, songs that were simple and could be sung without accompaniment, and so, like, it's a way to keep connected. This the revival. Everyone's into sea shanties all of a sudden. I didn't understand the Ratatouille musical stuff, but I, I'm here for old sea shanties coming yeah, back no, around. Yeah, no, I also zoned out when anything Ratatouille musical showed up. Okay, Everyone seemed like they were having a blast. Godspeed. Yeah, good, God bless. I'm not mad yeah. at it or anything. I just was you like, know, okay. What you just said, Jason, about TikTok, I think that's that maybe sums up my feelings. Everyone seems like they're having a blast. You guys, you have fun. Not for me. Be weird if I showed up. I got the dad pass now. I'm not going to learn about any app until my son is on one, and then I can make fun of uh, whatever he's doing on it, and we can have a combative relationship about the <laughs> app. Until then, no apps for me. That's a good point. You are a dad now, so we're going to have to start. Maybe it's just because you didn't grow up in the northeast of America. I mean, we're going to have to get you into some tall ships soon. We're going to have mm. to start getting you into some nautical history stuff. It's time. Oh, no. <laughs> I guess today is the day. <laughs> we're talking about the seas. 
Hey everybody, Tim Heidecker here with huge news. Office Hours Live recorded another episode live. It was one of our great ones with the great Rory Scovel, who's got a new special out on MAX. Oh, yeah. And the Trinity's here. DJ Doug Pound. Yes, hello. And Victor Berger the Fourth. Hi, hi, hi. Can't we, wait for the fifth. We enjoy the heck out of doing the show, and so will you. If you find us on the podcast app of your choice, now. Well, a lot of our a lot of our favorite characters and personalities love the sea, like you know your Popeyes, your Jimmy Buffetts. Yeah, uh, those are my favorite characters. Well, well, I'm scared of Popeye. Character. Popeye <laughs> really? looks weird. The movie, the movie, scary. I always try to watch it because I think it'll be interesting. I watched it for the podcast because I like Popeye Village, and then I'm still just like, oh, this movie, get me away from the sea. The Sidon would be furious at me. Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, also. <laughs> Guy on the sea. No, of course I'm a Jack Sparrow stan. Uh, <laughs> ride or die. And you know, the, like whatever's going on with the actor playing him, that's not for me to know. I, I'm concerned about the character. Yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> oh, right. I don't know one thing. I don't know the actor's name who plays him. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. I just, I love Jack Sparrow and that's what I love. Yeah. Okay, and of course, okay. his uncle who's in jail or whatever that is. <laughs> uh, I don't know that actor either. <laughs> he looks a lot like that guy who sings for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like a dad that looks like the guy who plays guitar on Satisfaction as well. <laughs> Again, I don't know any of these names. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> um, okay, so scary movie and then and well then we go to the hydrolators let's talk hydrolators uh i what's mean there to, what's there not to say about the hydrolators what's there it, it mimics an elevator it's the same kind of trick basically they do with um the haunted mansion in florida where like you're stationary but the walls are like sort of going up a little different because you're you're looking through windows at water and rocks and those kind of move and stuff Mm-hmm. Um, um, I now, uh, I guess Jason, you might put this in the category of that I that I bought it, that I bought the illusion. I don't think I had done a hydrolator since I was a child, but as far as I knew, that was descending. I honestly didn't know mm-hmm. until this research that that was a still room with effects. I, I, yeah. I truly didn't know that. With like a little rumbling floor and lights flickering. And uh, did you guys come across the urban legend about the lawsuit, the fake? It's it's bullshit. Yeah. Yes. But, so the the apocryphal tale, and it seems like uh, Yesterland uh, kind of tr- traced it, it traced it back to like Marty Sklar in an interview. One explanation, he's kind of tossed this out, and it was like a joke going around, and then it became the tour guides were telling it, and it's an apocryphal story that a woman tried to sue Disney or a man. It changes every time. Uh that oh my eardrums pursed at the pressure drop in the hydrolators and then the jury and the judge went to like disney imaginaries like come look at this and they opened both hydrolated drawers and then they immediately threw out the case uh this clearly never this didn't happen like okay okay so that's just urban legend that they like to to build up um I heard an interview with uh, one of the main Imagineers behind this, Tim Delaney, mm-hmm. uh, on the, I think he's been on season pass, but he was on this podcast, uh, Tomorrow Society, shout out to them, um, 
He, he pres- on this podcast, he presented the story as as real. Like, maybe, but maybe he's still keeping up the urban legend, and it, maybe that's what Marty Scar was doing too. Um, but it was that I honestly was listening to the story, and that was where I found out. Like, oh wait, it wasn't a, it didn't move. I really didn't know that. Um, yeah, Tim Delaney's very cool. I mean, this this interview is great. Any interview I've heard with him is great, and he's a. Um, if people don't know this special about the making of Space Mountain Paris, uh, uh, where you, you follow him from Imaginary back and forth to Paris while he puts this attraction together, which is the first launch coaster, and it's the first coaster with onboard audio, and it seems like this guy Tim sort of thought of some of that stuff or was really pushing for it. Um, anyway, Tim Delaney, very cool, and I think he's, he's responsible for a lot of the cool stuff in this attraction and that concept art, like how amazing the exterior uh, looked when this thing opened was, was Tim Delaney. Hmm, interesting. I'm interested to know now if he's keeping up the K the kayfabe, Disney kayfabe as far as lawsuits are concerned. Maybe. Hmm. I mean, it's the story that proves how well the illusion worked, that people bought it. That woman, that hypothetical woman bought it. Can right. I, I, I don't want this to turn into a 30-minute tangent, but I want to ask <laughs> you guys something, since we're talking about kayfabe and whether something is real or bullshit. Do you guys think that Disney Funerals website is real? Do you think that's a bit? Do you know what I'm talking about? This was going I around don't. like a I don't week know or two ago. Oh, I've, I know something about this, but I don't know maybe enough to comment on it. I, I um, tweeted like a reaction or a joke to it, but I it was like about how like if you're a real like parks like we'll we can we, we figured out a way to put theme park loops in your coffin and like the characters <laughs> who we can't say which characters will like kiss you goodbye like kiss your coffin as it before it's lowered. <laughs> and it was like a very janky website. This was going around. This like hit regular, like kind of yeah. Uh, magical pass, magicalpassings.com. I, hmm. I, I think it's. I'm conflicted because I think my, the reasons I think it's real are like regular people don't know the phrase theme park loops, mm. and um, the, the, no one else no one in theme park world is as funny as we are so like this website is pretty like darkly humorous wow. so i'm like Jason going bold again <laughs> uh, i think that is a lukewarm take uh i don't think that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but I, this kind of went around like com- like comedians were making fun of it on twitter too and i was just like i don't I don't know if this is real or fake. My choice of, by the way, the theme park music would be uh, played in the coffin, but also played from the gravestone so all the dead and mourners would need to hear it would be the music from the Tapestry of Nations Parade. <laughs> so that, that is how I haunt the living. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I, gotta look, I, I have seen this, but I haven't done enough investigating. I will give a ruling maybe next time we record. If okay. I, I'll investigate. Wait, it says at the bottom, I'm sorry to not keep the end, but I just saw it. I had to say, this site oh, is yeah, meant as satirical and a yeah. parody site. No actual okay. services are performed. Yeah, there you it's go. It's the end of you, magicalpassings.com. Yeah. Um, I guess an interesting thought, though. What? Wait, it's that, how long does this loop play? Forever? Uh, in <laughs> theory, the for eternity. Dies? Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and if it's fake, so. Well, gotta go with droid rooms from Star Tours. <laughs> I'll say this, I'm a little unnerved now, because who, who that's, who that's funny has entered the arena of theme park I know, media, I know. You know. I tip, I have to tip my hat then to uh, whoever made this site, because the specifics were very good, but they tipped it by going like, we can't post a phone number here, we've been harassed when we've posted it before. Mm. So, mm. and I think that was the the real well, clue. 
That's a good bit. So shout out to whoever that is. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, this seems pretty well done from what I could tell, but not real. We've, we figured it out. Yeah. Um, um, Back to so. something that can kill you, the briny depths of the sea. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, hydrolators, they don't move. It's a Disney tricky elevator. Um, and uh, much like the Haunted Mansion in uh, Florida, where that, that, in that one, the ground doesn't what, move. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, similar, similar, or wait, is it similar to the one, uh, the elevator in Tokyo Disney Sea on Journey? I was going to bring that up. I think... I think that uh, we talked move, about them. Right? Doesn't it? Doesn't it move up? Yeah, like, it, like I, that. I think it's. I think it's actually taking you up, even though the idea is that you're <clears> moving <throat> down to the center of the earth. But mm-hmm. I, I don't really know the geography. I apologize. Um, Someone's yelling, of course, at the podcast. Not Monday. It's somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah, which way it goes, and no. you don't. We'll look at when we do the episode when Jason goes to Japan. Jason, will you go to Japan right after you get the vaccine, please? I was trying to figure out if I'm going to Japan or I'm going to Europe. I, I keep going go back to Japan. And we have a Japan, Japan, need to do. Japan, Japan. I know. I guess. Japan. I guess that's the one. I four, uh, four uh, days. Uh, go four days. Because then we could do an entire year about oh, Japan. Okay. We need to do Sinbad. We need to do Journey. We need to do... Yeah, oh, my God. We can get so on. much material out of you going to Japan. Oh, I mean, Jaws is just going... going. I was going to joke because we were talking about Rhodey. Rhodey would likely um, do sacrifice going to a theme park to do some cultural experiences. And I'm the opposite. I'll probably end up missing a couple of cultural experiences just to ride Jaws again. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Look, as soon as I can get that vaccine and stuff, I'll probably go to Florida as soon as I get the vaccine. <laughs> All right, if I we mean, have anyone yeah. in the government listening, please put Jason on a high priority list. Uh, if you could change Jason's age in the uh, like a computer to like 75, that would be helpful. Yes, yeah, his mental age. Yes, yeah, use my temperament <laughs> age. <laughs> get him on, we'll get him on a plane like next week. Yeah, we can get this vaccine. Going off his interests, he's seventy-five. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sea shanties, educational theme parks. <laughs> Favorite character is Popeye. Tall ships. <laughs> I saw a lot of tall ships as a kid, guys. Jason, that was <laughs> Jason on a train napping while Mount Fuji goes by, and then he wakes up at Universal Studios. <laughs> beautiful. This is beautiful. Uh, um. <laughs> I okay. We get out of the the hydrolators, which didn't actually take you anywhere, and uh, we get on to the sea cabs. Now, here with the sea cabs is where we get some some contention going. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, as we've said, this this ended up what could have been a, a ten minute pretty grand trip into a, an underwater bubble ended up being sort of a a, a trip through a corridor on Omni Movers. Um, it's three minutes long. It's, um, you, you know, you do get cool views of the tank and depend, you know, if you watch old videos of it, you see scuba divers and you see cool animals and that's, that's all great. Um, however, so I hadn't, I didn't really have strong feelings about the, the sea cabs either way. Um, but, uh, let me do some history of when the first time that my wife Erin and I discussed, uh, Epcot, um, I, uh, she now today, I uh, basically, I had to like convince her like, oh, actually there's this whole thing with Epcot where it's like, it's this early eighties aesthetic and it's really locked in time. And there were all these bizarre, you know, insanely long, right. All the stuff we've been talking about. Uh, um, so, and I got her on board and she loves Epcot and wears an Epcot shirt all the time. We're all big Epcot heads. But when I, the first time I ever brought it up, like what I was like, what do you think about Epcot? And she's like, oh, is that the place with the sea cabs? 
<laughs> I was like, oh, that's your main takeaways, the sea cabs? And she said, yeah, well, my family went there when I was in high school. And we're just, we like, first of all, we're confused by the map. Just like, where are the rides? Like, you know, can you imagine? This is where we get into dad. And I'll pin this on uh, um, her, her father, who's great. Uh, but like, he's looking at the, he's, you know, he came from Magic Kingdom where like, there's a picture of a roller coaster. There's another mm-hmm. picture of a roller coaster. Now we're looking at pavilions and the land and wonders of life. What are you talking? And I, you don't see any like <laughs> drawings of rides anywhere. So like, I don't know, let's take a stab at it. Let's go to the living seas. You get in an elevator that doesn't go anywhere. Then you get on the sea cabs. You're like, okay, here we go. We're on a ride. The ride is over in three minutes. <laughs> the ride is mostly dark. It is called the Sea Cabs. Everyone is like, Sea Cabs, and they just grumbled about that name all day. This sucks. You want to leave? Yeah, let's go back to the Magic Kingdom. They went back to the Magic Kingdom, and that was it. They left Epcot Center. They were so mad at the Sea Cabs, and that is where it loomed for Aaron's family for a long time. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's like going, hey, you know, I love the Beatles. I'm putting on this new Paul McCartney album, Ram, and you go like, let's just flip around. Oh, Ram on. It's like this like weird sounding ukulele song. Huh? Mm-hmm. Well, never mind. Let's go back. To, let's go just listen to Let It Be. What are we doing here? That's maybe kind of the feel. That's maybe the feel. And now, have I told that story? And in telling that story, have I made Aaron into an, a, a villain of this podcast? <laughs> Much like Nick Mundy. <laughs> you've made... <laughs> you made... If I damned Aaron. I swear she figured it out. Loves Epcot. We love Epcot. Yeah. We spent so much time at Epcot last time we were there. No, I think, I made- think that's a good example of like the difficulty when theme park designers are like, let's try something different. Let's try something new. I'll say this. I love the Navi River journey. And I think it's rare. Like, But that is trying to achieve... like serenity right like it's trying to evoke a feeling of of peace and relaxation and in the middle of the hottest theme park in florida uh, with with these like uh, giant wait times uh for the attraction right above us that is a bit of a contrast to try and get people to go like well now try a theme park ride about peace with nature you know that is a little bit of a hard sell yeah, but I don't know if it's a hard sell as much. First of all, Scott, I want to say you've I don't think Aaron's a villain. You have made her father into a podcast the right villain, though. Apparently so. All right. I will I will uh, not say his legal name uh, for that reason. Right. Um, but I I think with Navi River Journey, that's still a lot more clear. It's like if Navi River Journey was like the Living Seas Pavilion, there would be like ten different ways to get in. Uh one one door led you to a place where you would eat the navi another door led you to a place where you'd go on a ride to see a navi another ride that like another door you would like just get to the exit of the of the river journey like it's i think it's more in the explanation and the confusion than it is and the expectation of what something at a disney park might be as opposed to the actual ride experience itself it was like Living Seas is an aquarium. It's a cool aquarium with a little tiny fun ride. I think then you know what to expect versus like, hey, we went to like, we went, we went on Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like nine minutes. It's, it's awesome. It's got so many robots. And then you go in here and you go, what the hell is what? We were in like a Haunted Mansion ride vehicle for three minutes and we saw some fish, but wh- what? Why would we? There's you don't pirates. take the, you don't take the mini ships 
um, to the main vessel, which is your transit to the to the final pirate island, where there are <laughs> six different pirate exhibits that yeah. you can break off and experience. So it's I got I have to imagine it's confusing because like a, a lot of those places have pre like post shows with stuff to do, and I know they expanded some of that as it went on. And I remember even kind of as a kid being a little unclear. I do remember confusion about exactly where a ride started and what. I remember that it's not nearly as clear as, you know, going to the Magic Kingdom and just going in. Here's the line for this thing. Right. You would like end up in a pavilion. Sorry. Yeah. And then you'd be like, oh, I guess we're at the exit of a ride. To me, that note, the thing that you said, Jason, about like there isn't the core attraction, it's like a bunch of different experiences. Um, that's like not super successful to me here because I think, like, um, with the other, I think I like that in the other Epcot pavilions, there is like there's the other stuff that you do, but it is Universe of Energy, the ride, it is, uh, uh you know, like there is this main simulator in Wonders of Life or whatever it is. I think it is odd to have a ride that takes you to a place, but it's really more of a little transportation. It's, it's like it's almost like if there was only the um the 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 lieutenant beck room and then not the rest of or then you get off on the ship and you look at the stormtroopers and there isn't the rest of rise the resistance yeah yeah it's like it's like you could get on at the pre-show to rise the resistance you could just get on to the beck lieutenant beck ship you could also skip that and go into the just the main line for the main ride or you could enter in the back because there's a post show to it that you could do like play on a computer and if you watched, I, if you could watch a very dry film about how the trade wars <laughs> came to be, <laughs> yeah, it's, the pre, it's called the prequels. <laughs> that's what the prequels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the pre-show of the, the Star prequels. Wars movies. Well, uh, now, now let me, but let me, now let me toss off this. Thinking about who they would have been trying to attract with, uh, you know, come to Epcot, you know, the first ten years or or whatever, come to Epcot. Spend your money, set aside a day for this, or like, you get it, you get it. If you buy the hotel and you want a park ticket, we also give you Epcot. And the marketing of, it's a permanent world's fair. And kids who are growing up in the 50s and 60s, do, does that square more? Does that selling well, make well, more sense th- to our because- parents' generation? Well, because you're saying that, like, since that was sort of a big thing with pavilions and it was a little bit looser in terms of how you would um, manage lines and move people in and out of things, you're yeah. saying that maybe they might be more used to that? Yeah, that, that there is, like, saying? a combination entertainment educational. Because sure. I think, my, I, I think my, my mom and dad who grew up on the East Coast, like, my dad went to the New York World's Fair a number of times, and they would watch the Disneyland show every Sunday. And they were just like, oh, we wish we could go to California. But as we have talked about in the past, that's impossible. Once Disney World opened, they were primed and ready to go. Uh, yeah. And not just to Disney, the, the Magic Kingdom, to eventually to Epcot. Well, I think from everything you've said, your parents were really enamored with the World's Fair and went to the World's Fair. I don't know everything about Aaron's dad, but I'd be willing to wager he doesn't give a fuck about the World's Fair. And yeah, so I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> might factor in. It, when people were still getting used to like air travel going down the coast, 
you know, I mean, when Disney World opened in the in the contemporary gift shop, there was still like, and send fresh citrus at home year round. Isn't that unique? Like that was. Yeah, but still... this is 1997, and he loves planes and roller coasters. Yeah, yeah. Like, so by, so he's by not the, at a, a troglodyte. No, by I, that point, by like 97, they start to. That's when you start to see Epcot change yeah that's when you start to see interventions and more like characters and stuff Uh, yeah i think it's just when because it's like the disney precedent had been set for a few decades at that point yeah probably then people had been trained a certain way to experience a disney park and it was just like confusing because like the thing i think now that we're older there is a lot of fun for us because we go to like happen upon something like that is a fun thing to have, like, because you like to roam, you like to go notice yeah. stuff. But most people, especially, you know, I'm sure like 10 years ago, even, it's like, just give me the list of 10 things. What right. are the 10 things? Yeah. Point me in the direction. And I bet, I bet overall, there's a much bigger percentage as we get older and as uh, the sickness that we, uh, <laughs> we put, give out the, that we the super pandemic spread. Of- <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic of theme park uh, minutia that we are helping to spread into Caring the population. Too much about things. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. it appears you were exposed by three men who were very excited to tell you that uh, executive Frank Wells was in the tank with Scoop and Mickey on opening day. <laughs> does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that does. Yes. Uh, anytime we go to Epcot, I drag anyone around me and i point i say that's where frank wells was that's where that's frank where he was in the tank and uh, uh opening day ceremonies you know there were some people in some weird flowy toga things doing a song and dance oh, it was yes. an epcot pavilion they had to have yes. that um so i think as as, as that gro- as that uh subculture grows i think maybe now it would be more acceptable now for like that type of structure to all of this stuff but mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure I'm sure plenty of families had that exact same thing. I bet they missed big, cool things. At oh, Epcot yeah. 100%. Because they yeah. didn't really know where to go. So I don't totally agree with that assessment. And I had to onboard Aaron about Epcot after this. But I, I've always had sea cabs in my head. <laughs> just the disdain with which she said the word sea cabs. It just soured <laughs> her on the whole thing. I guess, I don't know. You know that I think about it? I think it is kind of a dumb word. I'm going to say that. I'm sorry if I'm pissing off any sea cab fans out there. Sea cab is funny because, like, if you really, it's like cat, a cat, like, going, yeah, we're going to get in the cab now. A cab is such a utilitarian, kind of boring sounding word, mm-hmm. just purely to get you from one place to another. There's no, it's not a limo, it's not a party, but there's no, nothing fun's going to happen in the cab. It's just, like, yes, yes, pure transit. Yes. Yeah, it's transit. Like, uh, the sea bus. It may as well be called, like, the sea bus. <laughs> is it? Okay, this is probably a reach. Were they trying to connect it to these sea cows floating in a tank, mere feet away from the sea caps? Sea cows, mm. like yeah, the manatees, manatees, sea cows, mm. the gentle giants mm. of the, the sea cabs of the waterways. Sea cows, yeah, sure. makes sense. Possible. I um, I think. I mean, I think. I don't know if this was really like a direct homage, but the if you and we'll eventually do a big episode on it. The original Walt Epcot vision open it like video he had about it was going to be a real city. Mm. Mm-hmm. It definitely had like omnimover people movers moving people in and out of cities. Oh yeah, and I don't remember if he was gonna. Maybe he was just gonna call that a people mover. I haven't watched the the video in a while. Um, I don't think it, he was gonna call them like air cabs, but maybe 
I think it had like everything because right because like the monorails for were slightly medium distance people mm-hmm. movers were for shorter distances and all the cars were under the city if they had to have truck deliveries and stuff and then the out like outside this is like outside, the, outside yeah city, yeah anyway it's crazy outside is a big there's a big dome and you can't come in or leave and uh you're you're shot if you try to invade Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah that we should probably do that we should just watch through on that one maybe yeah yeah eventually one um i uh hey you know talking about bizarre uh footage and everything did anybody watch the living seas uh special the opening special yeah oh yeah the uh like the dancing stuff no, the uh, the John Ritter hosted. Oh, I didn't actually. Yeah, I, um, I only saw snippets of this. This is, well, I think I did too, because I faded in and out of sleep <laughs> watching it. <laughs> now, this is a, like, uh, okay, the, the yeah, the, uh, opening day, 1986, opening special for The Living Seas on NBC. Uh, this is a thing on paper that I should love. I love John Ritter. I love Olivia Newton-John, who is billed as appearing in it. I love Duran Duran, and Simon LeBon is going to be in this special. So, like, wow, this is a stacked lineup. This is going to be a blast. This is the most bummer thing Disney has ever made. All the stuff you're saying about, like, someday the sea will swallow you, that's exactly what this is. I, what was the, there's a part where, um... John Ritter says something about our fears of the seas are entirely justified. <laughs> And like you're from Three's Company, you like do pratfalls. Why did Disney bring you in to warn us about the sea? <laughs> and then it is one of the strangest things maybe ever in a Disney special, which is like, okay, so they're showing you like, um, you know, different iterations of of the ocean and stuff. Uh, like including, you know, Walt's been always so obsessed with the sea that his first cartoon was about it, Steamboat Willie. And you're like, wait, a minute. okay, All right. well now okay. hold on. <laughs> It's a boat, but that's huh? above a, a river. I don't know if um, I think I think that is Mickey avoiding the sea, trying to stay above it. Yeah. Um, so that's weird. But then you know, like people are still to this day obsessed with nautical stuff. And then there's they show clips of the Duran Duran Rio video, which is mm. um, which is on a yacht and super cool. Uh, uh, and 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 like okay, oh, and there this is. This is actually a little hip for MTV to be talking about Duran Duran and Rio. Um, and now here is a message from Simon LeBon, who very soberly describes a real experience he had where he was part of a yacht race and the yacht capsized and he was trapped inside with six crew members for 40 minutes and thought he was going to die. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Ladies and gentlemen, Simon LeBon. Oh, is he going to sing? Is he going to do Notorious or something? No, no, no. He very, it is the saddest thing he says at some point. Those screams still come back to haunt me. <laughs> what? Uh, I also just highlighted the phrase pale blue death. <laughs> what? <laughs> this, had, this had happened to him the year before in 1985. Oh and again, you think like, what's Duran Duran doing in the 80s? Probably living it up. Uh, just like having sex with all the women, being on top of the world. But no, Simon Le Bon wanted to be a yacht racer, and he was he was punished by Poseidon. And now he's... And at the beginning of it, he says, um, when the producers asked me to say something about the seas, I thought long and hard about what I would... And then it's like a 10-minute 
version of this near death story. What? And I'm like, the, when the producers asked you to do this, you should have said, "Get the fuck out! The sea almost killed me. How dare you? <laughs> Don't you read the news?" <laughs> um. Wow. Anyway, it's so weird, and that and which this story was apparently turned. The boat was called Drum. There's a full documentary about this called Drum: The Journey of a Lifetime with a Philip Glass score. You can hear about Simon Le Bon almost dying. And then after this in the special, Olivia Newton-John sings a really sad song about dolphins. And then Laura Branigan, singer of Gloria, I believe, sings the mm. saddest song you've ever heard. It's like, this is a, this is a truly morose special. Oh my so if you want to get bummed out about, if anybody out there is bummed about things that are happening lately, and instead you want to be bummed about things in 1986, watch this special. Wow. Yeah. I got. I'm sad I missed this now. I mean, I'm going to be sadder when I see it, but I'm sad I missed it in theory. I was. I've been saving. Look, I go to. You know, I'm very tired with the baby all the time, and I. I so I'm like doing my research late at night and like fading in and out of. I've had half a beer, and I'm watching this special at when it's late for me at eight thirty p.m. <laughs> and like, what is he talking about? Son of the Bonhoeffer. I. <laughs> Uh, very, very surreal and grim. I feel like I had bad dreams about Simon LeBon and boats. Wow, man, there's the living seas is just it's misery. It is, <laughs> yeah. the The seas will uh, catch us all at some point, and the living seas will bum us all out at some. Point. I, I almost, I really wish that they had like that. The the three minute Omnimover was something much more traumatizing than. I wish they had gone a little bit harder. I don't know what it would be with a like a limited budget, but the I wish moans, that part. You hear the up. moans of everyone who's drowned since the Earth began, <laughs> and they just like <laughs> they list them. Poseidon uh, yells their name out. Uh, Samuel Fredrickson, seventeen seventy four. They should have done that. I uh, killed him. I killed them all. <laughs> <laughs> they crossed me and they crossed the sea. Uh, what uh, if I were to tell you, though, for a certain child, the Living Seas revealed a kick-ass discovery, which was a robot named Jason. Jason. Here I we didn't go. know about this. There was a robot named Jason yep. here. Yeah, that's happier. That's good that's stuff. That's happier. And I think this, they were kind of predict. I don't know if they intended to predict this or it was just something in the air in the 90s, but I feel like there was a lot of TV specials about deep sea exploration, which is what this robot did. It was a little robot that would tell you about how it could stay underwater exploring the deeps for weeks at a time but i saw so many specials in school i mean cameron maybe Ca james cameron kick-started it with the titanic exploration but mm. man there mm. was so much in the late 80s early 90s about exploring the deep sea that that was the real alien like that was the next uh final frontier not space but the deep sea did you jason did you as a child know jason did you see jason I did. I mean, I don't know when he was put in there, but I definitely remember turning a corner and being like, everyone, everyone, come look. Come look at this. You got to <laughs> see. Get picked. Break out the cameras. There's got to be a picture of you with Jason. Yeah, I'll have to start digging because I think the Jason sign and robot were around for a, a while. And and then and also I even just like the fake the you could climb in the fake um, like suits. They had the the kind of explorer suits. 
Jason is an underrepresented original theme park IP also. Like we don't hear yeah. about Jason. I feel like we haven't seen toy any toys of Jason. Yeah. Never heard of them. Yeah. Can yeah. we rectify so, this? Can we make a toy of that? Can we 3D print something? We I mean, I'm sure we could do it. I uh there should have been a park star of Jason. Uh yeah. Both Jasons, Jason Sheridan and the <laughs> robot. Um yeah. So there's also another original theme park character is it commander fulton <laughs> i don't know about commander yeah, yeah i don't either i miss commander, commander fulton. fulton is the man who's talking to you on the living seas ride so he's like hi i'm oh. commander fulton and then like somebody a voice comes in and it's like commander fulton they have arrived at sea base alpha and we never he's hear the commander about- of the sea cabs Yes, he commands the sea cabs, but I think, yeah, he's in charge of the operation, and we never hear anything about him. I don't know that there's a picture of him. Maybe I've missed it, and it exists somewhere, but he's another character I think we need to hear more from, there's at least some on merch. Illustrations of the interior of the like center of Seabase Alpha, I thought those were interesting because they came out looking... Uh, that what they built was almost exactly what this one piece of concept art is, and I be, the big centerpiece being the tube where the person would be in um, scuba gear, and then the water would drain, and they would come out and go like, "Hey, everyone!" Uh, and right. then they would. Oh, sun- dude, that hat really? They'd like un- unfill it, and that's that's really cool. Yeah, there's there's video of that. They would unfill it. And then in the video I watched, the the host who had been hosting puts scuba gear on, and they get in and fill it back up. Like so, they like switch. They come in and out, uh, wow. and that was very cool. That feels like a like a David Blaine trick or something. Where it's like there's a <laughs> box that fills up with water, like, yeah, over and over again. Uh, but I don't remember that-, that as a kid. I just I was reminded of that in a video. That room is that that is very cool. The base is is extremely cool. It's not like you get nothing after the sea cabs because you get to see so many great animals. It is a great reveal when you end up in that room. That is a really grand room, and yeah, and there's a ton to do, and uh, um, you know, lots to explore in there. Yeah, and yeah. there's some in, in some concept art. There were um, pictures of it was a little bit more like Star Trekky. And then some of the outfits and some of the concept art were like, there's a, I think there's an episode of Star Trek Next Generation where Commander Riker is fencing in a, like a, a red like exoskeleton. <laughs> Let me make sure that that's right. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and some of the concept art made it look like they would make everybody uh, like wear outfits like that. But I got to find it's this. Star Trek probably is very Next Generation-y in there. Okay, I'd like to apologize. Riker was not fencing. He was doing a, like a version of like some space martial arts in this outfit that I've pulled up here. I really got to watch this show, don't I? Yeah, no, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, know, it's the a, time. If I, have I gone this far in quarantine and not given this a go? There's a lot of nonsense in it. Um, but yeah, so cool yeah, there's like outfits like this kind of like almost, it's Tron-ish. It looks almost like football pads, but it's like an approximation of like 80s space. With like Chinese symbols on it, yeah. I assume it's an alien language, but um, oh sure, yeah. Oh, that's probably correct. Yeah. Um. So um, yeah. So anyway, there was some concept art I was looking at, and I was like, oh man, they were thinking like a little. They they probably ended up just going with your usual Disney like claw like wool space outfits that every you know Tomorrowland <laughs> person has to wear. But they like I looked yeah. like they were maybe thinking of something a little more ambitious for a while. Hmm. Well, Star Trekky. Um, there's one, uh, original IP, uh, that I can bring to the table, too. Do you guys know about Drew? 
No. Uh, um, no, according I, I to I this is a Twitter user named uh, uh, at Cable C A B E L. Um, apparently, they tested pretty briefly in the Living Seas in 1999 a character named Drew One, and Drew Drew stands for Dolphin Robotic Unit. Wow! Um, they swam a robotic dolphin around in that tank. Oh, uh, who oh, waved oh. to guests, who smiled, who was extremely realistic. It's really well done. And I don't know why they didn't use it more if they, or if it ended up having non-Disney uses. Did it have like a, like a saddle on it or was it wearing clothes? I believe, yes, so that it could say Drew One on the side. Yes, okay, I saw the concept <laughs> art of Drew One. Yes. Okay. Because I was, was like, there's a, dolphin we- <laughs> "There's a dolphin wearing a saddle in this tank. <laughs> like, is somebody going to ride that dolphin around?" But I didn't know it was a robot. It looked obviously it was a drawing. So nobody wrote it, I guess. But it it existed, and that was made by a company called Edge Innovations that went on to build the Navi in the tank in Avatar: Flight of Passage. One of the most Whoa. striking. Uh, you know, physical uh, beings anywhere in the parks. Also made Imatep, my mm. my my good buddy in uh, in Revenge of the Mummy, who I declared cute. I think in a in a miniature pony kind of way. <laughs> um, so I I'm all about this company. They did good. They do great stuff. Wow, man, a robot dolphin that would have been great too. I, yeah, we would. I would never have forgotten that if I was a kid. I feel like if yeah. I was like, there's a dolphin with a saddle with his name on it. There's footage if you if you Google it. Um, there's a whole YouTube video I think posted by one of the people who produced the um, the robot, and um, yeah, it looks good. Cool. I feel like it, it could have been a um, you know a mainstay if they had kept yeah. it. I don't know why they didn't. But we know with like Jaws, obviously robot water tough to do. There had yeah. to like I think it's at this point is there even a prominent? I mean, they have the Jaws. It's been working still in Japan, and it was working in Orlando. But like I feel like they try to stay away from that still to this day. Yeah, um, yeah, they get, I can't imagine they would mix super well. Yeah. Um, too bad. Poor Drew. Um, what, what else in the exhibit that we want to talk about? I mean, it's like, I, well, the, the, there's not a, so many, like, this landmark show or, or, or thing, besides Jason, obviously. Right, Jason well, is the number one thing you would have wanted to go see. Yeah, I mean, I, we, we can pivot from Robot Dolphin to, like, the real... Real animals. I mean, I don't have the full list of all the things you can see. There at times have been um, uh, dolphins. Here is a haunting picture of a scuba diver and a dolphin from the uh, pictorial souvenir of Walt Disney World. Um, This was the Living Seas pages, you can see. Um, I think I would have gotten this book clearly after 1986 when the pavilion opened. But I I think my family was down there in 88, maybe, and got this. and uh but i got a i got a bunch of stuff i was reading about the manatees i mean when we went down uh the the gentle giants the the seafaring mammals um when we went down you love them i think you've you describe you describe them so glowingly i love i think i spent so much time staring at the manatees when we were there in florida when we did the live show uh did you ever did you think maybe if they could put a little saddle on one of them you could ride them around (laughs) I mean, I would love it. They're very strong. They're very large. Yeah. They can grow up, upwards of twelve hundred pounds. Um, they're very. They're not aggressive. Uh, I saw something online uh, just today. Uh, a manatee's body is so soft that if the animal crashes into a swimmer, it's like being bumped by a giant pillow. 
What? Oh. Yes. This is your dream oh. animal. It it's great. And a then pillow course, <laughs> a pillow animal? A pillow animal. Oh, um, wow. They, they cannot bite you because of the way their snouts uh, are shaped. They're not aggressive. And, uh, of course, the kings, the current manatees, uh, I, still there. Last I, I saw a post in 2020, I think the ones we saw in 2019, Lil Joe and Lou. Uh, mm-hmm. Lil Joe has been released into the wild and then rescued multiple times. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> well, Lil Joe... Uh, Lil Joe here, I, I think this is the South Florida Sun Sentinel, I believe is the name of the paper. Lil Joe first became a public figure in 1989 when <laughs> rescued from the Halifax River near Daytona Beach. Um, let's see, what else about him? Kept in captivity, Lil Joe would be bottle-fed by President George H.W. Bush at <laughs> SeaWorld in Orlando and what? sent to WOW audiences in San Diego, Cincinnati. And Tampa. Bush um, fed him a bottle. Bottle he, fed by George. Bottle w. fed him. <laughs> like like George W. Bush. Yeah. Um, How many creatures has, has George Bush <laughs> bottle fed? Jeb. Can we George, get, yeah. And Lil Joe. <laughs> Maybe of Billy. Course, Lil Joe, my favorite son. <laughs> Maybe Billy Bush if he came over, like when he was little. Oh yeah. Little bi- <laughs> yes. Love to feed Billy. Uh, what else about Lil Joe Uh, there's lots of facts Uh, manatee caretakers gradually gain confidence that a really big animal like Lil Joe he peaked at 1900 pounds and 10 and a half feet long could survive on his own Uh, he was released in the St. John's River in 2011 and recaptured after being found stunned by cold oh Lil Joe this makes me so sad yeah geez this poor pillow yeah, so he's a they pillow. They did a short rehab, released him again, lost track of him, and worried he died. Uh, oh. But then in 2012, they found him again. Uh, and this is sad, but kind of funny. Lil Joe nearly froze to death and ate a boat cushion during a flirt with freedom a couple of years ago. A boat cushion? A boat cushion, yes. Pillow and they said. Once they got the undigested boat cushion pieces out of him, he was back to eating 100 heads of lettuce a day. Uh, and the article concludes with this very moving statement, quote, he's so big, said Cooper Linkston, 12, of North Carolina, looking through the glass side of Manatee Pool, 12 feet deep, and, quote, peaceful. So, uh, wow. on this show... We we respect Lil Joe. Uh, all due respect to Lil Joe. We stand. Uh, would you say we, we stand him? We stand Lou stand. and Lil Joe. Uh, one of them, you know, their their fin is a little little chewed up by boats. Of course, um, yeah, I, that's that's the thing that really gets them is boats and speedboats and waterways. Yeah. Could I uh, request of the audience? I feel like I haven't called for a fan art yet, but could mm. I get a photo of Jason sleeping on Lil Joe? With a soaking wet blanket on top of him. <laughs> I'll do whatever Lil Joe asks for me. One of the manatees in that TV special, they have to, like, eight, yeah, they have to transport him, I think. Um, they have to fill a giant flatbed thing with salt water and lift him with a crane into it so that he can be cared for at Animal Kingdom and then brought back. I think wow. that was one of the manatees. How old is Lil Joe? 
I'm not quite sure. I, I, there's so much about, and I also lost track of how many times he's been rescued. Uh, he's been released and re-rescued. <laughs> Interesting. He's, he's um, tr- you know what's happening? He's trying his best. He well, is. Joe is trying his best, like so many of the great theme park characters. Yeah. He's, he's, maybe he's the best Epcot character right now. Hmm. Oh. Maybe. I think I mean, that's he's right. Better than than uh, evil figment than than bad figment. Right. Dark dark figment. Dark figment. Dark uh, toilet man. figment. <laughs> <laughs> Manatees can live six to sixty. Wow. wow. Little Joe could be up there. He's as old as us, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A manatee in his mid thirty, and I don't know if he's childless or not, but maybe <laughs> a childless manatee in his mid thirties. <laughs> the living seas hosted by one childless manatee in his mid thirties. <laughs> he's as soft as a pillow. Wow, little Joe. I love little Joe. Wow, I, I do yeah. too. Now I'm so glad you learned about little Joe. Oh, look at this. Listen to our voices all lilting oh, now. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, hearing about a pillow makes me so relaxed. I this I think only makes love uh, love him more. Uh, he's an orphan. They oh, found him. Yeah. He was orphaned. He was so little. And the first two to three years, apparently, of the manatee lifespan, that's how they learn how to exist in the world. And he just oh. he didn't get any of it. Do manatees like so many do- Disney characters? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Do manatees like hugs from humans? Uh, I was reading like uh, online. I do, they're so protected. I don't even think you're supposed to pet them. But apparently, like they will like nuzzle up to boats. They will like surface. Okay. Like, so I'm guessing then little kisses are out of the question. Um, you know, it's kind of there are limited experience. You know, you can scuba. You can pay to scuba or snorkel in the living seas. They still of offer course. those options. Uh, I don't kiss, know. Can you kiss the fish when you scuba dive? Can <laughs> I kiss? Um, can I uh, do a chill sesh with Lil Joe? If you can I sl- sing a sea shanty on TikTok with him? <laughs> if you slip the guy, the scuba guy, a hundred bucks, he'll let you kiss the fish. <laughs> it's a little bit of a, a hack there before you do it. No, I'm not going to let you do that. I am going to look the other way. And if any <laughs> kissing happens when I'm turned over here, then so be it. <laughs> But only little kisses. <laughs> I'll hear a big kiss. Not full Smooch on. Smooch, I'll hear. <laughs> not full I, on Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd kiss. Not that. Yeah. Just um, a little a little kiss. I, I do remember them feeding the manatees when we were there. I don't remember if children were able to toss in heads of lettuce. Uh, <laughs> if that was the case, I'm sure I was like eyeing my in. I was like, okay, after that kid, there's a break. Maybe I could hop over and toss him a big thing of romaine. Uh, my, my name is Jason, like the robot that used to be here. Um, can I, I, brought, I brought my own romaine from home. <laughs> I that one's a little child, too expensive around right? Disney World. <laughs> I got the band. What, what makes them more special? Okay. I've got object permanence. Really good object permanence. <laughs> 30 heads of lettuce on me, on my person at all times. <laughs> my backpack. <laughs> like a few of like Felix's magic bag full of lettuce. I, that's man a, named that's Nick a reference. Mundy. I apologize. Felix the cat. Yeah, Felix the I, don't, cat. I don't think I yeah. knew Felix had a magic bag. Yeah, Felix oh. the cat had a magic bag where he could, like, it's like Mary Poppins' bag. He could pull whatever he wanted out of it. Any, and we're not into TikTok? <laughs> People are like, Felix the cat's magic bag? 
We should try to get the Felix the Cat challenge going of like people pulling unlimited items out of their like. Oh, bags. that's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think Felixing that would be Felixing the new trend among today's youths. It it's used called... to sea shanties. You're out. It's called Felixing. <laughs> it's got sea shanties on the run. Watch out, Poseidon. Felixing is the new trend. Wow. Little um, Joe. Jeez. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, Little Joe, the best IP in here. Um, I mean, I guess we could talk about the, the Nemo overlay, which, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. It really is like the same. All right. So what used to be the sea cabs, it was all closed for a long time. That's the big thing that happened. In what Wikipedia blames on September 11th, uh, the mm-hmm. hydrolators and the sea cabs were shut down, and you could just walk into the thing. Um, not sure why those correlate, but I guess they're cutting, tr- you know, budget because nobody's traveling. Um, so it was kind of an underwhelming version of the uh, of Living Seas for a long time until they installed Turtle Talk with Crush. This was the first place to have Turtle Talk with Crush, which is at California Adventure and a number of other parks. And that sort of not only infused new life, but it sort of pointed the way that, oh, maybe we got to get more Nemo in here. So now it is a fully Nemo-ified experience. And, and that mainly manifests in the, um, uh, in the sea cabs where uh, you see Nemo and friends. And it's, it's roughly the same as what happens in the submarine voyage, correct? Yeah. I don't know. I had convinced myself that the submarine voyage came first. Uh, it did not. Nemo, oh. the seas with Nemo came first. Mm. Uh, and I think the uh, reason I had convinced myself that was because my first reaction, the first time I did the Nemo Omnimover was, well, this looks a little cheap. This kind of looks mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. I like the fake dune and the queue, but uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of the Nemo stuff in here. I can, I sort of, I remember seeing that movie opening weekend and going like, I can take her, I didn't, I like a lot of movies. I didn't, that was fine. Nemo's on your list. Nemo's on my list. I think Finding Dory is the better movie. Really? Yeah, Hmm. I I don't know. I think just the the escape movie, Hmm. some of those Pixar movies where they just do the sequel as a genre movie, I, I think they, they have a little yeah, more fun. Cars, yeah. They, they maybe got a little better with that. Um, well, Cars, yeah. Cars 2 is insane. Absolutely Cars insane. 2 is insane, yeah. Yeah. I've never seen it, honestly. It's, it's, it's like, it, doesn't it open with a car getting tortured by another car? Yeah. It's a <laughs> oh spy God. movie, and it's, it's crazy. It's like it's only so Mater. Mater's a spy now. Wow. Oh, yikes. Uh, um, yes. I, uh, I, now, I like Finding Nemo, and... Um, I like that there is some Finding Nemo aesthetics, not only here, but in other places. I like the, the seagulls, the mine, mine, mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they're at Disneyland. I like they're, that they're outside the, this thing. It does kind of, the, the mural they put in sort of takes away from the, uh, the brutalist original Epcot feel. But I like, I don't know, I like them on the rocks. And I just, and I like the Nemo music, and I like that Nemo music shows up in, in various attractions. I do think that in general they are doing Nemo dirty oh, yeah. in the parks because you got submarines, which I feel like people are mixed on. I'm mixed on it. I'm as we've discussed. I'm mixed on the sea cabs. Um, there is a simulator at Disney Sea that is fine. 
but by the Disney Sea standards, it is uh, not. It wasn't in my top ten. I don't think it would be in a lot of people's. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a crush coaster in Paris, which is. Uh, I di- actually I didn't get to do it. It looks cool. Um, but there isn't like an exceptional Nemo attraction. I don't no. believe. I I, no. I yeah. I think timing wise, Nemo like because of when the movie came out and because of you know what what needed to be renovated and what was on the chopping block potentially nemo then got saddled with these things literally nemo all nemo was doing is propping up stuff that wasn't that popular or there yeah. was a problem with the system like it's uh, expensive to run the subs if no one's going to go on them or it's like all right we'll throw nemo on there nemo nemo is like a stop like a stopgap it's like sa- a save it, like to extend the life of something for another decade maybe or another <laughs> two decades it's and it's timing. I think it's a lot of us just do with timing. Like Turtle Talk with Crush is like the most fully realized cool experience that utilizes Related that Nemo, movie yeah. and those characters. Um, but yeah, like Nemo. I'm trying to think of this another example of like a movie that is just like its popularity is just being used to not have to spend more money. Essentially, like <laughs> like to to bulldoze something and bring up a new ride. Which will eventually happen, at least to the subs in Disneyland. Well, a little bit of Frozen, Frozen somewhat. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Frozen Ever After is mm. quite that, but like, no, I um, love Frozen After Ever After though. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I do too. Does and like Guardians, we'll find out. We, we will find out <laughs> soon. Uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, obviously, is a retheme, but like they did a great job with it. It's just there's no nothing I can think of that's such a popular movie. Like Finding Nemo is so popular. At least the yeah. first one was. There's no rides that, like, Nemo is all of these rides that are a version of, like, putting a book under a, a broken leg of a chair. Yes, yes, yes. And it's I, timing, I think. You know what? I, I mean, I'm not happy that Nemo took the Hydra later, but the other thing that we haven't really talked about that I loved as a kid, uh, this sign and the constant splashing water oh, I yeah, thought yeah. was the yeah. coolest. The yeah, mural. good call. The splashing water, the sign, and this um, kind of looks like shit. Uh, I yeah, like. The, I do like the birds. It's a little it's, gross. It's not bad. It's not bad, but it's, it's yeah. It doesn't have the vibe of the first one. I, I don't is, mind the abstract depiction of the of the characters of the manatees and the fishes and everything. Like like those, they they blend okay with that that mural. But the logo, especially when yeah, that the, the living seas is just such. That's that's just that beautiful Epcot font in uh, yeah. beautiful unfriendly steel, yes. just uh, getting to shine in the sun. Which um, they have slowly been putting back in the pavilion. If you oh, see yeah. in oh, these baby. pictures, you know it's not the same font. If I'm going to be picky, like it's more rounded. Please? But I like this font. I do like yeah. it a lot. This does feel like um, you know a revised, reimagined version of the original vibe. Um, and we yeah. should point out that the little areas inside are called modules. I like mm. that. Yes. Which I'm a big and fan of. They have like that one last one you showed was like module 1B, which was the manatees. Uh, yeah. If we were, again, modules. if we were less lazy, we could be joined by the module keeper. But I, um, mm. you know, we're at the end of the episode almost. So. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll have to talk modules in we'll depth module later, I think. Keeper um, someday. Um, can I talk about something that was missing from the sign that you just showed, Jason, but it was there when the attraction opened, and that is the nod to the sponsor, United Technologies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, so you alluded to this a little bit. Um, United Technologies now part of Raytheon, which might imply what kind of company they are. Um, but this is what I alluded to a while back, and I, I sort of pulled this uh, from a Jim Hill article, that when this attraction was proposed, they wanted to do all of this fantastic stuff. They wanted Poseidon. They wanted a curtain of water. They wanted it to be the base to be entirely underwater, and you travel in pearls. Uh, it was going to be a lot more grand, but the bill was being footed by United Technologies, and they they put a lot of money into it. This was an extremely expensive, uh, uh, $90 million at the time. Um, they they spent a lot of money. They did not spend money, but they were like, well, within that, I don't know, all the other stuff, do we need all the fantastical, all the frills and everything? Can't we just like show off our suits? Like we have these diving suits and we have those now and we kind of want people to be interested in them. So, you know, put the suits in there. Um, so that's sort of why it ends up being clinical at times. Actually, Jim Hill describes uh, some of the attraction as dry and academic. And I, I don't disagree with that. Some of it certainly yeah. Is. So I'm like, all right, well, what is this weird company that would pay for it, but then not want to do any of the cool stuff? Like, you're going to reject Poseidon? You're that limited in your imagination? Like, what is the deal with United Technologies? And the big thing that I found is that, okay, so uh, United Technologies made... Otis elevators. That's fine. I got no mm -hmm. beef with Otis. Um, mm -hmm. They made helicopters such as Blackhawks, and they made engines for military jets. So they they really are like a military parts uh, mm -hmm. yeah. company. Um, in the early 90s, when this attraction had only been open for a little while, United Technologies pleaded guilty to four felonies and agreed to pay $6 million in penalties to the U.S. government in connection with the Pentagon influence peddling scandal. Um, what happened was they were uh, trying to get the inside line. They wanted to build this engine for the government, an F-404, uh, and they were trying to figure out how to do it Cheaper than their competition, General Electric, sponsors of Horizons across the way. So two Epcot sponsors are trying to build jet engines. They're competing against each other. They go to a guy named Melvin Paisley, who is the assistant assistant secretary of the Navy under Reagan. Uh, and there uh, he had quit the Pentagon, and now he knows all of this info. He knows how much things cost, and he accepted money from United Technologies to help them underbid so that they could get this military contract. This all got found out. United Technologies had to pay $6 million. Melvin Paisley went to prison for four years. There were 58 convictions as part of this scandal. The entire thing was called Operation Ill Wind. Uh, this was a massive, uh, a, a massive corruption uh, and fraud and bribery investigation um, that also embroiled, among the other companies embroiled in the scandal, uh, General Electric, as I mentioned, sponsors of Horizons, and Sperry Univac, sponsors of the Astuter Computer Review and Smart One. The people wow. who, so the people who paid for Horizons, Carousel of Progress, Smart One, and the Living Seas were all... Uh, uh, committing fraud to try to get military contracts. <laughs> Just wow. all across, like, when you realize that Epcot is this showcase of awful company, of, like, hellish yeah. companies trying to, like, help bombs drop. <laughs> Man, yeah, that is wild. And they it's didn't crazy. want Poseidon? 
And they, yes, and but mainly, the, okay, all that, building the, the weapons and everything, or build, building the engines to drop bombs, that's one thing. But depriving us of Poseidon, this, like, uh, uh, is it fair to call it uh, edging, would you? Would they give us... Excuse me? They're getting something, yeah. They're getting close to something good, but then not all the way with it, like Poseidon would be. Um, yeah. The other thing, the so the um, the engine that uh, they end that they wanted to build, so they they did end up uh, building engines for uh, the specific plane uh, Hornet fighters, uh, which were heavily used in Operation Desert Storm and the subsequent Iraq War. So thank you, United Technologies. Um, Hornet fighters uh, were the basis of the characters. Bravo and Echo from Disney's Planes. Here they are. Oh, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Voiced by Val Kilmer and Anthony Edwards in a nod to Top Gun. And isn't that cute? There they are. Cute little planes. The drop bombs on a (laughs) rack. Jesus Christ. Yeah, what it's a little really, trip, huh? It really, it really speaks to like my brain, where you're like talking about how horrible the companies are, and I was like, "But what about Poseidon?" <laughs> oh, that's still look. That's still where I am. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, to be look, if you're, I'm of course I accept that, especially Epcot Center, which I've spent so much of my life thinking about, was full of evil uh, military <laughs> contract companies. But if you're gonna do that, then give us cool stuff too. General Electric did bad stuff but then they took us uh to mesa verde and they showed us a kid upside down and an animatronic seal um they That's right and they financed sherman brothers songs and stuff uh so you gotta uh give us some good with the evil that's what i demand right it's an, an equal yeah. and it's an equal split <laughs> cosmically <laughs> yes yes all the way yeah 50 50 good and evil and then you'll be fine that's right Do we think that, like, the National Geographic Society, the Scripps Institution of Oceanography, uh, all these other oceanographic groups were also pushing, like, hey, maybe not the fantasy, we have a lot of education, we have a lot of, you know, marine biology to do and rescue stuff. I I saw that it was just, it was literally like, the company was like, here's 90 million bucks, that's what you get. And they were like, well, we can't make Poseidon on 90 million dollars. Oh, I see. Okay. It's yeah, like it got yeah. cut way back just because of like budget wise that this is how much they were willing to spend. And then, and then unfortunately, yeah. And look, I, I always say if you're not going to do Poseidon right, don't do them at all. Yeah. So that's what yeah. they were. Poseidon, um, you know, because Poseidon wouldn't, wouldn't have been bothering the researchers, I don't think. Unless right. they, unless there was going to be an animatronic <laughs> like, like blowing big jets of bubbles and like messing up ecosystems and hurting animals. Hey, four eyes, what are you doing over there? You're telling lies. The tides happen because of me, not the stupid moon. (laughs) Little Joe couldn't cut it in the wild, could ya? Came back home to mommy, huh, little Joe? He's taunting little Joe. That's a real (laughs) heel turn if I've ever heard one. Poseidon's a bastard. That's what I'm saying. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, he's a power power player. He's a jerk. (laughs) Yeah, so it's good that he's not there. Yeah, thank God. And that we're just left. We're left with little Joe. I mean, yeah, look, there's been ups and downs. We don't have Poseidon, but we have have little Joe. You You made me realize the... The warmth at the heart of this attraction, and um, I'm just glad he has a, a place to stay safe. It yeah. was all yeah. worth it. United Technologies, the mm-hmm. C cabs, uh, every, every bit of it. I wouldn't take one bit of it back. 
Yeah, I so Little Joe. I think they need to put Little Joe out front a little more. I think they need to do some cartoon versions of him, like we like we did a Patreon episode with uh, Earl the Squirrel, which is a character yeah. universal that sort of was a realistic looking robot, but then they made him a cartoon. Let's have a cartoon of um, of Little Joe. You know, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Let's go all the way. Well, I like to see an Avengers of uh, fairly unpopular aquatic animals, um, mm. like the there's you, there could be Little Joe. There's um, the the shrimp mascot from Bubba Gump. I know he has a name, <laughs> but I don't. I'm disappointed in myself. I don't know it offhand. Yeah, we Does anyone know? know? Yeah, we should know, know that. that Somebody just brought him up to me, and I was like, "Yeah, why don't I know his name?" Seems like the kind of thing we would know. Um, the dirty shrimp man. Yeah. Everyone knows he's dirty, yeah. Um, I might put, um, you know, there was a cartoon of Free Willy where he talked. Um, maybe we could put talking Free Willy in the Aquatic mm-hmm. Avengers. Oh, what's the... Uh, the Aqua what's... Avengers. There we go. That's good. What's the talking dolphin from Sequest's name? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, name. yeah. I don't think uh, I ever knew that. But Drew, Drew can be in there. Drew's going in. Drew, Drew oh, yeah, can be sure. in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Darfin. Da- Darfin. <laughs> Darwin. <laughs> I like Darfin, though, too. Wait, Darwin is the... Oh, no, Darwin's not the Bubba Gump. Darwin no, is no, sequest. Darwin's a sequest. Darwin was an intelligent dolphin capable of, capable of communication. He was a close friend of Captain Nathan Bridger and Lucas Wallace. <laughs> Wall is that I don't can't pronounce his last name. I apologize yeah. to Sequest fans. Um, is this our uh, those, plus yeah. up? We've gotten some requests for uh, plus it up. Close, you know. Oh, to bring back or, plus it up. Um, sure. Well, yeah. I mean, down. pushing little Joe. Yeah, pushing little, little Joe merch. Joe. Little Joe, like enticing people to come in. Little Joe dancing around out front like a Bubba Gump. Mm-hmm. Um, sad to say the fish police will not be joining as many of them have been stripped of their shields and uh guns for their uh maybe coordination for the capital uh riot event uh, the, the, the so. capital of At- atlantis yeah mean. yeah yes the capital of atlantis <laughs> where all those um all those like the deep sea fish that have never seen the sun try to open the coral (laughs) they open the coral (laughs) they open the coral yeah they rotate at the theater gates no (laughs) yeah Uh, they've been stripped of their shields which uh have big starfish on the front and their guns that shoot little bones (laughs) yes uh uh my plus up is i would like to return to a more terrifying living seeks you know mm-hmm. that's mean, good you can, you can keep the you can keep the nemo and friends on there but like let's mm-hmm. like let's make that like let's bring the score back that's really going to be haunting and let's let's let like the nemo friends remind you like if we get a hold of you we will kill you like they'll like we that's more dangerous fish here you, don't fuck with us would you um like it if i don't know if trickery is involved in your dark vision or could be but would you like if uh kids and families lined up for turtle talk with crush and then when they entered the theater it's like a psych moment and instead you have to watch all of drum the journey of a lifetime and learn about simon lebon's brush with pale blue death (laughs) i think okay wait i like that i like that how about it's yeah, it's advertised that it's Turtle Talk, but it's like the same Turtle Talk technology, but it's Simon LeBon from Duran Duran. So it's a teenager playing him from behind a screen, and then he like asks people questions, and then he ties everything back to the yachting accident 
to try to warn people. So like a child, five years old, like, does anyone have a question for Simon? <laughs> yes, you there in the striped shirt. And like, I, well, are you, who are you and what? Well, it all goes back to my yachting accident. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything is about the yachting accident. And that gives everybody, you know, they understand how dangerous the sea is. Eventually, Look, a mom is like, oh, hey, so, you know, I love Hungry Like the Wolf, one of my favorite songs growing up. How did you come up with that? Well, it's, I don't remember anymore because I'm, my brain is fogged by visions of pale blue death. <laughs> I don't really speak of my music anymore. Yeah. Uh, I think Re that's good, Jason. Re respect is earned in many ways. Sometimes it's earned by the heartwarming story like Lil' Joe. Um... Uh, sometimes it's earned by learning about respect for the sea by seeing the mighty power of it in your yachting accident, you know? And <laughs> yeah, now do that like Simon Le Bon would have done it. He said it. Uh, <laughs> respect is earned in a myriad of ways. Sometimes by just seeing this beautiful big pillow animal and his many trials and tribulations. And other times by um, getting uh, getting my ass handed to me in a yachting accident <laughs> can we drop philip glass score in there yeah, yeah put some yeah, philip yeah. Throw that in a Great. ton of well, philip I mean, glass in that um, case i think that's a beautiful note to go out on I unless agree. there's any objections uh, i think i think you you survived uh pale blue podcast the ride just narrowly mm -hmm. um a, a trip under the sea um Boy, oh boy, we met met new friends, met new enemies, um, mm. and it was that was something. Uh, for more for more journeys, for more journeys of a lifetime with us, uh, be sure to follow us on all the social medias. Uh, send us your gripes. We're still collecting gripes, uh, which you can send us if you look up the tweet where we posted it. Gripes aren't really in a clear place. You'll figure it out. Yeah, uh, but but there I'll is put one in clear the place. Description. Put it in the oh, description yeah, for this episode. <laughs> it was well, in the last description. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. Uh, oh, thanks, too. Jason. Uh, good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, those of you who just emailed your gripes, um, tis tis, gotta listen. <laughs> rule number one, you go to the spreadsheet. And rule number two, you have to say, yeah, I got a gripe, all right. A lot of people did. We'll read gripes that don't, but we'll give them a little tisk tisk as right. we do. Mm -hmm. um, a more clear web address is patreon.com slash podcast the ride, home to podcast the ride. The Second Gate, where you get three bonus episodes every month. Go there right now to learn about Six Flags Roller Coaster Cuts, the failed hair salon for children started by Six Flags, which uh, very quickly went underwater. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good, yeah. Oh, boy. Tied it um, all up. Well, I just, uh, yeah, like, just remember, like, the sea is not your friend. You know? But where is the yeah. sea? Don't go out there. Don't end this episode and start thinking you're friends with the sea. No. Beware at all costs. Poseidon's hand yes. will strike you. Be yeah. very careful of the sea. It is memorable and varied, but it does not use butters, light sauces, and spices to enhance its delicately flavored seafood entrees, which is how the pictorial souvenir of Walt Disney World describes the offerings of the Coral Reef Restaurant <laughs> to presumably children buying this book. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Huh. Right. Um, okay well thanks well, book that thanks, was yeah. nice <laughs> thanks for ending the show on a weird notebook <laughs> Man, okay the book now. Bye, bye 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 forever dog this has been a forever dog production 
Executive produced by Mike Carlson, Jason Sheridan, Scott Gardner, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.